Good morning church, how are you going? My name's David Hooper and my wife Lil and I have just recently relocated from Port Hedland to Coffs Harbour. We're loving being in Coffs Harbour. We are the senior pastors of C3 Church Port Hedland and while we're supposed to be going backwards and forwards every two months to oversee that transition phase, that can't happen, unfortunately. Hopefully it can soon. We're loving being in, Port, in Coffs Harbour here. It's a beautiful spot and we just love your area, your township, the scenery, your, your church. Fantastic. We love Justin and Anna. We're really enjoying settling into life in Coffs Harbour with you. Back in Port Hedland, uh, my wife Lil, is she loved being involved in a couple of things. Mainly music we ran at our church for, for a decade or so and then uh, she was always involved in the cafe and the hospitality and in fact this week she was down with the uh, project of feeding the homeless and, and helping with the cooking so that's one thing that she is just shines at hospitality myself I'm a, an artist you can see some paintings behind me here and uh, I'll show you a little bit of my studio I like to paint the local scenery of Port Hedland it's a uh, harbour town it has big ships it has the iron ore coming in and out and um, there's also lovely scenery around in the northwest the Pilbara region of gum trees and the Karaginis and uh, just now my first painting this week my first Coffs Harbour painting this week I've just started and I'm looking forward to painting more of your wonderful scenery so I'm continuing the series The Standard and I have as my portion today quite a scary little portion in fact one particular verse I call the scariest verse in the Bible now why would I call a verse the scariest verse in the Bible well let's have a look at it and read it it comes from Matthew chapter 7 it says this Matthew chapter 7 verse 15 beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves you can identify them by their fruit that is by the way they act can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or can you pick figs from thistles a good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit a good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit so every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire yes just as you can identify a tree by its fruit so you can identify people by their actions. So I think, okay, it's about the fruit. And I know the verses, the story in John chapter 15, where Jesus is talking about, abide in me and I abide in you. I'm the branch, you are the branches. Abide in me and you will bear much fruit to the glory of God, my Father. Okay, I think over my life. What fruit do I have as I have sought to abide in Jesus? Am I doing that? I think, okay, uh, when I was five, went off to a children's camp. My mum and dad were Christians and we got taken to a Christian camp associated with our church. And at the end of the meeting where the kids, we've been singing songs and learning about Jesus, learning Bible stories, and the kids are all sitting there and the leaders are saying, so if you want to give your heart to Jesus, pray this prayer. And I was in my mind, I'm going, yeah, come on, kids, give your heart to Jesus. And then 
afterwards, when I'm sitting down having lunch, I, I can remember stopping and having a, a, a spoon, a bowl of soup and a spoon almost in my mouth. And I thought, well, hang on a moment. I wonder if I've ever prayed that prayer. Oh, I better just pray it now just to make sure. And then any time in the future, when I think back, have I prayed the prayer, I think about this time and place. So I did. Dear Lord Jesus, please come into my heart. Amen. There's a whole lot of uh, construction going on next door, just um, as a compressor. I, I am actually in, the, my studio is right next to, the church is through that wall there. So that's where we are. So if you hear circular saws and construction and compressor and stuff like that, that's, that's what that's all about. Might just pause this for a moment. There we go. So, continuing on, I was baptized in water at the age of 12. We went off to Oak Ridge Camp in Northland which was owned and run by Barry Smith. My mum and dad were friends with Barry Smith in the family, and uh, that was my baptism in water. Continuing on, about age 18, left home, going out with my youth group and other friends, and I was baptised in the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues, new life, uh, new freshness on my, on my Christian walk. Getting married, go to Port Hedland, started to get involved in the church there 30 years ago and I uh, within a couple of years I learned a guitar and became a worship leader 15 years I was worship leader in that church and then uh, felt a call of God to be become a pastor there was a call of ministry I kept getting picked out preachers would come through and they'd prophesy over me and say God's called you to do this to be a pastor and and I kept getting it was quite uh, funny, really. I kept getting pulled out of the line, out of random people. Just one of the congregation members kept pulled out. And God would speak into my world. So you know, I knew what I had to do. We went away to Bible college down to Perth for a couple of years. And then we went back in 2002 and we started pastoring. We've been pastoring Port Hedland for 19 years. Over that time in Port Hedland, I have seen many things happen the power of God, like prophecies. I believe in prophecy. When God wants to speak through people, he does. I've given prophecies myself. I've uh, seen miracles happen. I've seen people healed. I've seen uh, lives changed. I've seen people delivered. Lot, lots of amazing things I can, I can point to and say, I saw the Holy Spirit work here. Toronto Blessing came through. I, I can remember many people being empowered and, and acted upon by the Holy Spirit. Is that fruit? Well, let's read on. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. And we cast out demons in your name. And we performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, depart from me. I never knew you. 
get away from me, you who break God's laws. That's the scariest verse in the Bible, in my opinion, because Jesus is talking about people who prophesy, who cast out demons, who do miracles. He's talking about Pentecostals. He's talking about people like you and me. So let me ask you this question. How sure are you that your fruit is what Jesus is looking for? It's a scary thought, isn't it? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, as we look into your word today, we just thank you that you don't leave us high and dry with a statement like this, even as scary as it is. We know that you have come to save and that we can trust you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So let's look at the guy who actually wrote this, Matthew. He, he is a fascinating man. I love the book of Matthew. It's my favorite book in the New Testament. And what I like about this particular portion, this, this big preach that Justin has been leading us through, the standard, the, the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5, 6, we're into chapter 7. We don't see Matthew get saved until chapter 9. And in chapter 9, verse 9, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple. Jesus said to him, so Matthew got up and followed him. When I was younger, I thought, that's just bizarre. Jesus walks up to a random guy and says, follow me and be my disciple. And he immediately leaves his business, all his money, his responsibilities to the Roman government. And you believe me, they were very strict on the responsibilities. He left everything and followed Jesus. The consequences could have been horrendous. And in fact, in the end, of course, they were. All the disciples were, they were, they were killed, they were martyred, except for John. So, but Matthew was happy enough to just get up and go straight away. Why? Well, I suspect, right, there's no evidence to this, but I suspect that the reason we have this huge Sermon on the Mount in writing and so accurate and so extensive is because Matthew was there. I think he was there listening. And I think Matthew, being one of the only educated people and wealthy who had access to that expensive thing called paper, was taking notes. That's just my suspicion. But what I do know about Matthew is that as we move on into the next little portion, still in chapter 9, says this. So Matthew got up and followed him. Verse 10. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. And then he added, Go now and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. The first thing I want to make mention of about the scariest verse in the Bible is, is that last phrase that Jesus said, For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. The thing is, we 
find that verse scary because we know we are sinners. And the Pharisees who think they're safe, they're actually not. And so if we put that in perspective with the story there, the, the verse there, it, it brings me back to a point that Bible college lecturers made to us as, as learners, as students, is that if something, if that scares you, if that causes you fear, then you're, you're safe. Because it, you are wise. Proverbs tells us you're wise to fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord, wisdom comes through the fear of the Lord. So, if you're afraid, if that verse worries you and you go like, oh, oh, oh I've got to make sure that my fruit is, is right, I've got to make sure that I'm doing the right thing, then you're in, you're in, in the right place. Second thing is that the Pharisees who had no doubt that they were fine actually weren't. So you can see that the scary verse is actually, it's actually really good for us to, and it's good for us to actually contemplate and investigate ourselves and, and make some shifts because only those who are concerned about their well-being will actually do what Jesus said and he said depart from me I never knew you you who you workers of iniquity another version says you who are sinners so it's only those who are absolutely sure that they're fine everything's fine lay look at all the good stuff that I've been doing oh, we did this Lord Lord we did this we did that and they're relying on their good deeds to get them into heaven but they're not really obeying Jesus well Jesus said if you love me obey me so there you go if you are if you are scared of if that verse does give you a little bit of fear that's fantastic it's exactly what it's supposed to do to keep keep us on edge to keep us pushing in to god we must never stop seeking god and there's another verse in galatians that clarifies this actually first of all let me go back what did Jesus say? What was the reason he said, depart from me? He said, depart from me. I never knew you. So how do we get to know God? Or, or more to the point, how do we make sure that God knows us? Well, that word know originally was used in, in the King James Version was right back in with Adam and Eve. And it says, and Adam knew Eve and they bore a son. So we can see that that word know is to do with intimacy and that that level of intimacy of, of closeness is what we need to have with God. We need to be that close to God that, that we have that level of intimacy. So how do we how do we do that? Well, how do you do it with your family or your spouse or your how do you and of course you do it different ways with different people, but but with your family, what is it? It's about proximity. It's about being in the same space as each other. And uh, one of my favorite phrases that, um, one of the favorite phrases that uh, was in our family growing up, as our children were growing up in Port Helen, they're all born in Port Helen. They all grew up there 20, 20 years, 25 years, and then they all moved across to Sydney and went to C3 Bible College, Chloe, Josh, and Luke. and. We collected little stories and memories. Lil would make, 
She said, oh, it's all about making memories. She was very passionate about making memories. And so we would write things down. Uh, for example, Joshua, our, our middle child, one time, we were traveling out into, uh, out into across the desert. We were going up to a campground two and a half hours away. It's all dead flat there, uh, except around Port Hedland is all, all dead flat. And then, but between Port Hedland and uh, 80 Mile Beach, there were some hills, some little mountains, very small ones, but rising out of the ground. And as we're coming across them, Joshua, who didn't remember seeing them the year before when he was only one and a half, now he's talking to me, two and a half, three, and he said, Dad, Dad, look at them buildings. I said, oh, what, what? No, no, mate, they're not buildings. They're hills. He goes, what's in them buildings? I said, no, they're not buildings. But what's in them? I said, uh, rocks. He goes, who'd put rocks in buildings? And I thought, my child is a product of a flat land. I grew up in New Zealand. I had hills and mountains and rain and all the rest of it. He's never seen them before. So that's a little memory. Another one with uh, Joshua out in the garden and he comes across a, a great big locust thing. Grow pretty big up the, the northwest. And he goes, Dad! Because we've just been reading bedtime stories. Dad, look! A, a dinosaur! And Chloe comes along to correct him as bigger sisters like to do. She goes, oh no, Josh. That's a hopgrasser. Then we've got a young fella, Luke. He... One day, driving along in the car with mum, spotted a bobcat. He says, mum, what's that? She, she says, oh, oh that's, a, that's a bobcat, darling. And, and thinking, he sits there and he thinks for a moment. He goes, is there such a thing as a bob dog? So we made memories with our children. We loved growing up with our children. Children, we're, we're there day in, day out. They're talking to us. We're talking to them and we know them. And that's the same thing that we do with our God. We come to him regularly. We come to him daily. We talk to him. We chatter to him through the day as in little prayers. We can do all of that. And it's about getting to know God on a daily basis, on a more than daily basis. Every day in God is a good day. Better is a day in your courts than a thousand days anywhere else. So... Having said that, are we perfect? No, we're not. Do we bear good fruit? Yes, we do, but we mess up along the way. But here's, here's the thing. Because of the fear of God, because of the scariest verse in the Bible, we don't say, ah, oh, that's all right. We don't have to worry about that sin. We don't have to worry about that problem. You know, it's all right. We just let that tick along in our lives and we're just sort of, you know, we're living with sin in our world. Whereas Jesus was very clear. Be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. So it's a big call. Thankfully, we have the Holy Spirit, not just to do miracles and not just to cast out demons and not just to speak in tongues or prophesy, but to live in us and guide us into all truth and obedience to his word. And then when Paul writes to the Galatians, he says this and he picks up on this verse. He says, so now that you know God, or should I say, now that God knows you. So he's bringing some comfort into the world of the Galatians. And the fascinating thing about the Galatians is that that, that church was not a 
a behaving church. It was misbehaving. Paul had a lot of things to say. Oh, you foolish Galatians. Galatians, he writes to them and he, and he starts bringing out the fact that they're not perfect and they're not doing the right thing. And yet God knows you. That's, that's my word for you today. You're not perfect, but you are living in a place where, yes, you know God is love, but there's the fear of missing him, missing out, and you don't want to miss out on heaven. And that very fear is what ensures that you're going to be there because no one can fear God without the Holy Spirit leading you there. So then Hebrews 11.6 says this, And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. See, the people who said, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these things? They believed that he existed. Well, where they fell down was they didn't earnestly seek him. So there's the answer to that phrase. Earnestly seek God. That's the second part. We believe that God exists, yes. But that on its own is not enough. And what you do is not enough. Earnestly seeking God and getting to know him and getting him to know you is the answer. And we can just thank God that we have his Holy Spirit who leads us in that every, every day. Getting back to Matthew. Can you imagine if we became this kind of church that we pushed into and sought to go with God at, at the drop of a hat? We leave everything behind just like Matthew did. We get up and we follow Jesus at his word. And then we invite all our friends around to meet Jesus. And we gather together all those people that need to know Jesus. And this is bearing fruit because the truth is that the most valuable fruit that you can take into heaven are souls, other people. And the way that Matthew showed this to be done was he invited all his friends around for dinner. He invited them around for a meal. The disciples are there. They didn't understand what was going on when the Pharisees came up and said, why is your master eating with such scum? The disciples had to come and ask Jesus, and say, can you just explain this to us? They were earnestly seeking him and seeking his wisdom and learning and growing. And at the beginning, they didn't know much. But at the end, they died for him. Matthew died for him. And we, we never hear, really, apart from Matthew's book, which he wrote, we never hear of Matthew ever saying a, saying a word in any conversation there. He was one of these quiet Christians. But nonetheless, he was a passionate man for his Jesus. Hope this has encouraged you today. May you have a fantastic week. And as we go out, I encourage you, uh, as soon as we're able to push into that hospitality evangelism, just as Matthew did, and start bearing fruit. Bringing, it's about inviting and investing. We, we invest in people's worlds. We, we feed them, and then we invite them. Invite them to our house for food, first off. And then we can invite them to church once they get to know us. If you do that, you'll find that once you've built this relationship, this friendship with your friends, these people, then you find they finally come along to church with you. Something's on, maybe it's a special day for whatever reason. 
It's amazing how many people do come to church when we ask them to. They turn up and they find that they've actually been introduced to many of your friends already. And they feel at home, like that big sign on your wall. It's a home. And we are, we are thanking our God that we are together as a family in this place. God bless you. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for these people. Thank you for these friends in this place, family that I am yet to meet and get to know. I thank you, Lord, that we're building together, that we're bearing fruit together, and we're going to turn up to heaven and be welcomed in. Good and faithful servants. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.